Right, I want to engage in a review, and then I also noticed that in going through the class last time, I actually noticed this while it was happening, but I wasn't sure what had caused it. I missed two slides that I want to go back and, and recover. But first, um, when we left, we had moved past uh, the Maccabean War, but you remember that our story begins with Alexander the Great and the Diadochi, and I just wanted to give you a visual picture of... Uh, of their territories and kind of what we're dealing with. In the period that led into the Hasmoneans, we had the Ptolemies on one side operating in Egypt, and we had uh, the Seleucids operating in, in Syria. In Antioch of Syria, one of the major cities that runs through this entire period, you can see where that's located on the map. You can see how far Syria and Seleucia flows over into the Middle East, and that's part of what I wanted you to see. Uh, you've got other, other groupings related to Cassander and Lysander up in the Asia Minor area, uh, and, uh, and what uh, also was the remainders of, of Greece uh, in the period before we get to Rome. So that's an, uh, an important map in terms of just getting a sense of how much territory uh, Alexander first conquered, and then uh, where his influence ended up. So that's note number one. Let me go to the second thing that I want to try and cover before we get caught up to where we are. In the midst of, uh, of the tensions that existed in the period of before the Maccabees, uh, there was a series of actions, I alluded to this last time, but didn't develop it, that... Uh, where the priesthood was basically for sale. And we talked about the last one of these exchanges, but not the first one. And the key period here is the period between uh, Seleucid rule in 200, uh, around 200 BC, uh, and in 198, where Egypt, uh, Egypt was defeated at, Pane at Paneus, which is actually the same place as Caesarea Philippi going to be important when we get to the New Testament later, in the northern part of Israel, uh, by Antiochus III in what is called Syrian War Number no. 5. Remember I told you there were six wars between Syria and Egypt in the period from the end of Alexander the Great until we get to the Maccabean War. So uh, Palestine's a political football. Around this time of Syrian War Number no. 5, the Jewish priest Onias II uh, is in place. And there are pro-Seleucid gains. Uh, he is pro-Seleucid, so he's with Syria. And remember that uh, Israel is in control of Egypt right now, the Ptolemies. But Onias II was pro-Seleucid, and he gains favor, even though as a Jewish priest, with Antiochus III. Um, he stops paying taxes to Egypt. Joseph Tobiah, who's a member of another leading family in Israel, and is the financier for Hellenism, and Onias is the second's nephew. All these people are related to one another. It's kind of like West Virginia. No, just kidding. Uh, uh, does pay it, uh, keeping the peace. And uh, in, in the Antiquities, Book 12, Josephus even notes the Syrian support for the temple during this period. So the Jewish leadership is split in terms of who they're supporting, Egypt or Syria. They're divided with regard to whom they're going to support. And most key Jews switched support to Antiochus III uh, as he appeared to gain power 
and were ready to embrace him when he defeated Egypt, it was an easy move for Israel to just switch and be comfortable with the leadership. Now the Seleucids were stopped by Rome at Thermopylae in Magnesia in 190. Uh, and uh, they signed this treaty at Apamea in 188 BC, which requires serious payment of vast taxes to Rome. We did talk about that uh, last class period. And so what we're getting in the period around uh, the 200 to 190 area is Rome is beginning to emerge as the world power. Uh, and it sets the stage for this major shock to Israel's history as Antiochus IV, who succeeded Antiochus III, begins to try and collect money to pay these taxes to Rome that he owes. During this period, there are religious developments. There is the rise of attention to apocalyptic literature. There's much more apocalyptic kinds of materials being produced within Judaism, most of which um, you don't see in, your, uh, in, in the Old Testament, but that appear in what is not a collection known as the Old Testament pseudepigrapha. There's an emphasis on the soul and the afterlife that is developing during this period. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about the relationship between God and evil. Theodicy is emerging during this period. Discussion of angels and wisdom literature is developing. There are two key pieces of wisdom literature that, that appear in the Apocrypha uh, that are written during this time, uh, Sirach and Wisdom. So the question is becoming, how does God's treatment fit in with justice, law, and promise in the midst of the chaos that is emerging around Israel before we even get to the Maccabean War, much less in the Maccabean War? Now the backdrop that feeds Antiochus Epiphanes that led into the Maccabean War, and this is the last slide I want to go back and kind of catch up on, um, is, is also the product of this intrigue. The Jewish high priest Onias III, so we've moved down the ladder one priest here, is pro-Egypt and pro-law and protected Hyrcanus Tobiah's monies at the temple. This is discussed in 2 Maccabees 3. While Simon Tobiah, okay, a relative, all right, was pro-Seleucid. So I wonder what their dinners were like. Okay, when the family got together to discuss politics. Okay, they are disagreeing with one another about how things are falling out. Seleucid rule goes to Seleucid IV in 187 to 75. He precedes Antiochus IV. And then to his brother, Antiochus, who rules from 175 to 164, and not to his sons. Now, Ananias III was opposed, the priest, and politically outmaneuvered by his brother, Joshua, also known as Jason, who was pro-Syrian. When Antiochus IV comes to the throne in 175, Jason agitates against Onias III and purchased the priesthood from Antiochus Epiphanes IV and seeks to Hellenize Israel in 175 and 174. The point here is, is that the priesthood is becoming secularized and is now going to the highest bidder, becoming an issue of raw politics. Negative reaction by Torah loyalists creates the Hasidim. The Hasidim are the ancestors to both the Pharisees and the Essenes, and they are anti-Hellenist. So as the priests get closer and closer, more closely tied to the politics, as they begin to buy and sell the priesthood, there is a reaction among the religious faithful against what's going on. 
And this actually serves as part of the backdrop beyond the sacrificial and edict issues of Antiochus Epiphanes IV that feeds into the movement towards the Maccabean War. And I didn't think I made that clear last time, and so I wanted to be sure that uh, I clarified that. Antiochus IV conquers Egypt except for Alexandria. He plunders Jerusalem on his return. In return to Egypt, he is checked and weakened by Rome, a key to understanding his, la uh, his later actions. He's stopped in Egypt by Gaius Papalius Lanus, who gives a famous circle ultimatum. He, he corners Antiochus. He basically captures him. He draws a circle around him with his sword and basically says, you can have your life as soon as, uh, you can spare your life as soon as you agree to submit to Rome. And don't step out of that circle until you make that decision. Okay, it's kind of what is known as rhetorical persuasion. Okay? Uh, and, and so he eventually agrees to this, and this only furthers and deepens Antiochus Epiphanes' um, uh, need to be able to satisfy Rome. This happens in 168 B.C. This is the year before the start of the Maccabean War. So all of that is important background to the Maccabean War, and I just didn't think I made it clear enough last time, so I wanted to be sure that that was made clear.